A reading from Psalm 119, verses 89 through 96. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will not forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Before uh, Adam took off, he uh, actually him and Dan were having our elders meeting, and uh, they said they were both leaving. Uh, for this service, and I'll be the the lone the lone elder. And uh, so I have to figure out uh, what we're going to do for this service. And uh, I said, well, "What are my options?" He said, "Well, we could have uh, Kevin preach again." And I was like, "No, nah, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't sit through that again." Just kidding. That was just kidding, Kevin. And so I was like, "Any any other options?" He said, "Yeah, you you could do it." Uh, or you could have someone come and uh, and preach. So I want to introduce to you today John Doughty, who's uh, who is, uh, has always represented the Christian Evangelism Fellowship for us, and uh, he's going to give us an update on that mission and uh, as well as nourish us with uh, with some of the words. So I want to welcome John, and actually uh, I've been told he looks. For anyone who is here uh, pre-Adam, looks uh, he's a dead ringer for Wayne Wallace, so uh, the previous pastor here. So if there's anyone that remembers him, this will be some nostalgia for you. Welcome, John. Thanks. You got to preach. You know, there's no greater joy than to open God's word. There really isn't. There's no greater joy. And it's a privilege to be here. Let me take a few minutes. Uh, uh, my name being Jonathan Dowdy, as you have heard pretty sufficiently now, my wife Anne and I first stepped foot in this building. It would be, I think it was uh, 18, maybe 19 years ago. I've lost track exactly. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Child Advancement Fellowship did a program here two or three summers. And again, I've lost track on that as well called it with a day camp. We did a day camp that was from 9 to 3, 3.30, somewhere in there. And uh, that was the first time we stepped foot in here. That was before my wife and I even liked each other. And uh, the Lord actually did a great work, and she started liking me about five years ago. We've been married for 12 years. Um, with that being said, those who have knew us well can appreciate just how God does work. Um, we now have the privilege of having six children. We had five boys and uh, found out we were expecting again. We weren't sure we were gonna, if that was what the Lord was going to let us do. And, and uh, we, um, with great anticipation, went at the 20-week ultrasound and anticipated another boy. And you should have heard the, uh, the sound of um, complete unbelief in my wife when it became clear that we were having a girl. 
And uh, so the Lord decided to, I don't know if it's to give us a little grace with a girl or to um, give us a little more challenge with having a girl. We'll find that out. Um, uh, some of you do know our life a little bit more intimately. Um, some have not had a privilege of uh, hearing the miracles of God in our life over the past eight months. But that little girl, four weeks after we found out she was a girl, um, the Lord said it was time for her to come out. And that put her out 16 weeks early. And that ended up being a 107-day adventure in the NICU up in Bangor. Um, she was born in Augusta. They're not equipped to take care of a child under 36 weeks. And she was 24 weeks. But they did a wonderful job. And uh, Life Flight took her from Augusta to Bangor, right over our home. My dad took a picture. She was there watching my kids. Took a picture of Life Flight right above our house with our daughter in that helicopter going to Bangor. Uh, we praise God. There were multiple times this summer we thought we were going to be just five boys in our home. But I'm here to stand and say we serve a miracle maker. We serve a God who can do the unthinkable. And if you have any questions, I would gladly sit down and talk to you more about how amazing our God is. I have no doubt that God can do whatever He pleases. The Lord had um, given me the privilege to teach in our church about the attributes of God just before all this had happened. And um, really, if we put an emphasis on how God is sovereign, ruler and owns this world. And I gotta say, when you're driving seventy minutes, leaving one your wife in your in one hospital and you're driving up to be with your daughter, knowing that you're not even gonna see your kids tonight, the rest of your boys, knowing that God is sovereign in control and loving it was the only comfort that kept me through. So I encourage you, as we go through today, don't forget. God is the ruler of this world, but He's good. We were watching the Chronicles of Narnia, Blind Witch in the Wardrobe, a couple nights ago. That was our New Year's Eve movie. And uh, some of you have been in, in that book or in that movie. And uh, there's a phrase, the, um, the kids are talking with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and they you're hearing about Aslan, who's a lion. I don't want to give too much weight. If you haven't heard, if you haven't read the book, to read the book. And they say, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. And I tell you right now, God is good. We were privileged 107 days after her birth, where she was under two pounds. I held her. I have a mic I'm tied to. This is going to be interesting. I might hold the mic, but I can't hold the mic and use both hands at the same time. I was holding her here with my hands covering her head here. And now, I'd be honest to say, there are times I forget that she was even born on. Because she has no um, development that makes us think differently. Do pray. Um, thank you, Connie, for asking for prayer for our family. One of the big appointments we have this week is Friday. She goes for surgery, general anesthesia, to get some hernias taken care of. And once that's done, 
And she's past that. We'll be past the whole prematurity issue. Um, God is good. Going back to CES, Child Events and Fellowship, I've had the privilege of being involved in CES for just about 20 years of my life. You're thinking, are you really that old to be involved? No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm still a young pup. Um, but ever since I was a teenager, I've been involved with CES um, full summers. And then right out of Bible school, I got the privilege to be with CES year-round as a missionary supported by Many people, including this church, support Child Evangelism Fellowship, and uh, we thank you for that. The ministry of CEF is a worldwide organization that is run locally here. Um, there is a dear family right from here, the Gabriels, who um, used to be on the board for us in central Maine. And uh, that organization is used by God to impact hundreds of children in central Maine thousands of children in Maine, and millions of children worldwide for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of being in almost every country established by local people running the organization, not somebody from U.S. going in there, but in almost every country that's run by the people who were raised, born, raised, and grew up in that country. And how wonderful it is to be able to connect with them and see what God is doing. Here in central Maine, a man named Jonathan Ray is the director for CF in Central Maine. That covers the Knox, Waldo, Penobscot, Piscataquis, and Somerset counties. And um, he's been around for six, seven years with us. And the Lord has raised him up to be the director. And he's got a great vision to see multiple good news clubs get started in Central Maine. He has also a great vision to see summer ministry grow. These are five-day clubs. These are day camps that we do up in Herman. And with that, we have a great increase of staff that comes to join us in the summer of high school students and college students. And his heart is in that direction. So be, please be praying as CEF moves in that direction. If you are here and you're 14 and older, I want you to look at me right now. 14 and older. Guess what? You adults are 14 and older, too. I have an awesome thing to talk to you about. We have what's called Christian Youth in Action. If you're 13 and you're going to be 14 by the summer, that's great. If you're not, we actually have a little more training we can do with yet. Christians in Action is where I started with CEF. There's, a, there's at least one person in this room who has done it with me as well. I won't point her out, but you can find her if you ask closely. Some of you know. And this program is a 10-day program that we do. It's actually shortened a little bit, but if your lifeguard is still 10-day, if you don't want to do a lifeguard, it's going to be an 8-day program in June, where we will take you with the Bible and teach you how to take God's Word, the Gospel, and share it to a child, and take the Bible and share a lesson to children. And I would encourage you, young ladies, young gentlemen, that that will be one of the best experiences of your life to prep you for what God is going to do with you in the future. Even if you become a housewife, a mom, and, or if you become a person working in the construction field, whatever. God will use that to help you in your personal walk with Him. So I want to encourage you. That's something we do in Child Advancement Fellowship. Um, also, we are doing that more locally. We're doing a smaller ones that are not quite as involved. You don't get quite as much of the benefit of being at Camp Good News for that time and interacting with fellow Christians your age. But you get to see them. This other one is done for a week. And the best part about these trainings, we don't just train you how to do it, we actually go with you and help you do it. 
before you're done training, you've actually taught children who may or may not have ever heard about Jesus before. And so you don't just learn it, you get to do it. So I would encourage you to look into that and get involved in that. A Good News Club, it's an after-school program, either done in a school, it's a little hard to do them in schools. We do have three schools that are allowing us in right now. We used to be in 20 schools, now we're just in three. But we have a bunch of other clubs that are doing in community buildings, churches, homes. And these programs is where we bring the Bible in. We teach the gospel every week. And children come to know Christ as their Savior. There's a couple people in this room who have done Good News Club. I won't point them out, but I'm sure they would gladly work to share with you what this is about. Good News Club is a great opportunity to evangelize children in your community. This is what CF is about. We're about children coming to know Christ and training people to do that. So if your church just wants to know how to do that better, share the gospel. We actually, a couple of times, have done gospel training right here from the pulpit on a Sunday morning with the whole church present and taught you how to share the gospel to children. That can be done. Um, Child Evangelism Fellowship has been a big part of my life. As you can imagine, I'm not that old, and in 20 years it has been a part of my life. Um, but just this past uh, week, God has changed my life. Uh, six weeks ago, God impressed my heart to write a letter of resignation with CEF. Not because my heart is gone from CEF, my heart is still there. You can't ever take that out of my heart. We're still going to do good news clubs, my wife and I. We're still going to be involved at Christians in Action. We're still going to be involved with the camps and things, stuff like that. But God has changed our direction. God had been, eight years ago, showing us a new ministry. Uh, showing us that our community, the people in our reach of our home, needed more. It started out by me being involved with the ambulance and going, taking it as an EMT course, taking um, calls with the volunteer department. And that has quickly grown into almost the town chaplain program that the Lord has opened doors. But when you're full-time in one ministry and you have a family the size that I do, something has to say no. Whenever you say yes to one thing, you say no to something else. And my wife and I came to the realization that family is a no-go of a no. We have to say yes to our family. And God has shown us that our spot is to invest in our local community. Hence why we're still doing good news clubs. So be praying for us. Um, Friday was my last day with CEF full-time. You're saying, well, I thought he came here to represent CEF. Oh, yeah. You're not going to get me a CEF out of my heart that quickly. And um, we're here to... Encourage the ministry of CEF. Jonathan Ray has some great vision, great drive. And we just want to thank you for supporting CEF and keep that up. Keep that up. Because with me leaving, I did a lot of administrative. They're looking for someone to replace that administrative. Many people join CEF to do teach children, teach people. There's a lot of stuff to do behind the scenes in order to do that. So ask the Lord with us, please, that we would see him Bring and call and gift someone for the office. Plain and simple. That's what we need in CEF. Our family, we're excited. We don't know exactly what it looks like. We've described it as this. Have you ever read the story of Abram? What did God say to Abram? He says, Abram, get thee out of the, your country to a land where I will show you. Well, I guess we know the land. It's unity area. It's, the, it's that surrounding community. I just don't know the ministry completely yet. We're stepping out, not having anything established, but God has always been faithful. 
He showed us when we had our little girl that He has never failed us and He won't start now. And you know what, friends? He's showing us now. He has never failed us and He won't start now. So as we go through that, and we're not with CEF full time, do keep CEF in prayer. Those of you who know us, if you want to keep updated what we're doing, feel free to reach out and we'll do that as well. We trust God will continue to draw our paths together. And if you bring it back here again, guess what I'll talk about? I'm going to talk about CEF again. Because that's a part of my heart. It's a part of my life. As we look into this, though, um, I want to take some time in God's Word. I don't see a clock. No one told me what time your service ends. And my phone is in my pocket, and I'm going to leave it there. So forgive me if I go long. If I go long, just get up and walk away. I'll get the clue, okay? I'll get the clue. We have seen in our world a big change in the past couple of centuries. Um, It's kind of hard to really quantify it fully because I don't know, but I don't see anyone that looks like they're two centuries old in this building. This building might be getting close there. I don't know for sure. I know my church building is getting close to the two century mark. But uh, there's a big shift, and that shift is revolving right around this book. It's evolving right around this book. Uh, there is a, um, a man whose name is George Barna, and he does a lot of st- statistics for the church. Um, he's a Christian, he loves the Lord, and he, he likes to keep a tab on where the church is. And about 10 years ago, he did a um, research. And he was looking and talking to Christians, those who say that they believe in Jesus as their Savior for going to heaven. And he asked them about these different points. He asked them about the accuracy of Bible teaching, if they believe that the Bible is accurate. He asked them if they believe that Jesus was sinless. He asked them if there was a literal Satan. He asked them if they believe that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient, all-knowing. He asked them if um, salvation was by grace alone. And he asked them if they believed that every Christian was responsible to evangelize. He found that only 9% of people who said they were a Christian would say yes to all of those things. Only 9%. So, he followed up. He started and he contacted 601 pastors around this nation asking them the exact same question. All from Protestant churches he found that 51% of those pastors would say yes to all those things. It's a scary thought, isn't it? Is it going to be a problem if I grab this mic? There we go. I don't like being behind. I work with kids. I work with kids. I'm usually right around everybody. I guess in COVID, I'm supposed to stay back a little bit. Do you see a problem there? Do you see a problem there? I was um, in the ambulance with a 
with somebody one day. We were coming back from the hospital. They were driving. We have Unity College, which used to be a pretty bustling place. Right now, I don't know what's going to happen to it, but it used to be a bustling place. And one of those college students was in my ambulance as a driver for me that day. And uh, he grew up as a kid in a church with his grandmother. And he, uh, we were talking about things. And I asked him, well, how come you don't, why did you decide you didn't want to be involved with church anymore? And he said, John, as a high school student, I realized that the Bible got it wrong about the beginning. I can't trust it about anything. Now, is his logic true? Yes, it is. If one part of the Bible is not true, is any part of the Bible trustworthy? No, it's not. The issue is, is he living in the truth of beginnings? Is he falling on Scripture as true or not? So I ask you today, don't want to hear out loud, is God's Word trustworthy? Can we really have confidence that the book that we base our entire religion on I put religion because it's more of a relationship than a religion. Religion gets you to the grave. Only a relationship with Christ gets you to heaven. What is the book that we base everything this building is about on trustworthy? Is it? We're going to dig into that now. You guys have um, heard it said, I'm sure. Genesis chapter 3. If you have a Bible, we're going to be moving around. If you don't have a Bible, you just listen along. Genesis chapter 3. I don't have any bookmarks, so it will take me as long as some of you to do it. Um, and I'm going to just go quote some of these things because of the fact that it takes so long sometimes to flip in these dry fingers through the Bible. But don't take what I say for granted. Take what God says in His Word for granted. Genesis chapter 3, you know the story. They're in the Garden of Eden. Adam, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. And they're there living their life. We don't know how long it's been since God created them and put them in that garden. But we do know that a habit has been formed. God would come in the cool of the night and have a relationship with them. Discuss with them. Have a good conversation. And as they were going one day, there was one tree they're not supposed to eat of. That was the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And that tree, one day they're walking by, and Eve heard a voice in the tree. Hey, Eve. Ladies, if a serpent spoke to you, how many of you would stand there and have a conversation with them? You would. All right, we got one. I, I guess, I guess uh, your heart's closest to Eve of any of them else. <laughs> the bravery that she had. Serpent, who was the embodiment of Satan at that moment, had a conversation with Eve. Anybody remember how he brought up the idea of eating the fruit? Did God say? Think about those words with me. Did God say? Those words are assuming that God can be wrong. Those words are assuming that He is not good. 
Those words are assuming that God may not have said. Now, Satan's pretty deceptive there because he actually changes this. Did God say you're not supposed to eat of any tree in the garden? No, no, no. That's not what God said. God actually said not to eat of that one tree. And then you look at it, and I don't see whether God said don't touch the tree. But Eve adds on, we're not even supposed to touch it. There's something going on here. And finally, and by the way, men, I know we all say blame the wife, the woman, for eating the fruit. Well, Eve baked the fruit. The Bible says she was deceived. And she turned and gave it to Adam, who was with her. We men are not without blame in this. And we weren't deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. And he ate the fruit as well. But it all started with that phrase. Did God say? I'll tell you right now, in this world, we hear that, don't we? Did God say? When we think about the Bible, what was that? No pencil. Did God say? Keep on going. We know the story of a man named Pharaoh. Well, I guess there are a lot of men named Pharaoh, but the one specifically in the days of Moses is one we're going to talk about. Moses came to Pharaoh at the command of God and said, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. I neither know God or does he, why would I, I don't even know if he exists. I mean, in that day, Pharaoh was God in the people's mind. But there again, did God say? You see what the pattern is here? There's a pattern of did God say? And what comes after that phrase is heeded to. Well, for Pharaoh, it was the partial destruction of his entire nation. And it appears even of his life. That was some huge consequences. So as it goes through, I want to ask the question. I want us to take some time to answer this question. Just understand this. It's not bad to question God when you're willing to listen to his answer and turn to it. You got that? We understand that through the life of David, especially. You can go into Psalms. Why God? Why God? Why God? But always, it was so his heart was turned closer to God. So we're going to say, God, did you say that we can trust your word? And let's find out. Go with me to 2 Timothy 3. Like I say, these dry fingers do not like to turn pages. Boy, we get into these parts of the New Testament and the pages are quick. You go from Romans to Revelation with a flip of a finger. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. Let's read this together. It says, And how from childhood, is talking to Timothy, Paulus, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's a gospel right there. Then verse 16 is really all scripture is breathed out by God 
It says that right there, right? Some scripture is breathed out by God. No. All scripture is breathed out by God. And it's powerful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Okay? That's good. The Bible says all scripture is breathed out by God. If you were to go to 2 Peter 1.21, it reminds us that the men spoke as the Holy Spirit carried them. It wasn't the men's words. It was the Holy Spirit using the man's personality to bring the word, is what it was. 2 Peter, turn there with me. 2 Peter 3.15. I like, I like those 3.15. It seems to fit well here. 2 Peter 3.15. It says this. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul. Paul was the author of over half the book. Over half the book. Over half of the New Testament. There we go. The shelf of the New Testament. So, even as Paul, let me get my eyes back focused here, wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these manners. You see here, the Bible is proclaiming that this book is not from man. This book is from God. That's what the Bible is proclaiming. It is stating this is God's Word. We can go in through there's other verses. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 is not man's Word. It is God's Word. It's focused in that. So where do we get this Bible? We got it from God. I know, I know, I know. There's a lot of people who will disagree with us. We're going to deal with that in a few moments. We're going to pull out this evidence, foolproof evidence for your heart that the Bible is true in a few moments. But as we look at this, I want to bring another question out. The Bible tells us where it came from. It came from God's Holy Spirit leading His men along. The Bible also tells us that it's trustworthy. Isaiah chapter 40. Turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 40. This is a very a very beneficial verse to think about. Isaiah 40 verse 8. Excuse me. The grass withers. Boy, we've seen that a little bit this year. Although I, I have to admit, the grass is mighty green in December. It was green. You, I, have, I just, uh, we, my dad is uh, moving over behind my house. We have a bunch of land, and we, are, we built a trailer pad for a double wide. And it was supposed to be here in October. Well, you can probably guess what's going on. Um, so one of the things, I had to keep a big area plowed out. And so I, before the rain came, I was like, I better plow that out, because I, I think it's frozen, but I want to make sure that it is frozen when they come with trucks with the double wide. And so I plowed it out. And as I'm plowing it out, I'm leaving green streaks in the grass. Thankfully, the ground was just enough frozen. My, my tractor didn't dig down into there. But I mean, I'm, I'm painting the whole thing green. 
this, this snow is green. And it's all green still. <laughs> but normally, we understand this, the grass withers, right? The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the Bible makes it very clear. The word of our Lord will stand for a few more days. No. It's forever. The Word of God will stand forever. Oh, I know there are people who doubt that. What about all, what about all these translations? I'm going to get into a sticky situation here. It might never bring you back again. What about the bad translations that weren't properly dealt with? What does God's Word say? The Word of the Lord will what? Stand forever. As we look here as well, Matthew 24, Jesus says, everything but God's Word will pass away. We keep on going. Psalm 119.89 God's Word is fixed forever. Do you see a pattern here? I'm going to suggest to you this. You, people can mess up the Bible translations, but they can't remove God's Word in those mess ups. I'm just going to say it. That's my belief. Do I think there might be some that are better than others? Yeah. But is it up to man to keep His Word pure? No. It's up to God. It's up to God. And if we truly have an infallible God who is sovereign over all, can he not keep his word pure? He can. There's a lot of people, a lot of Christians, who are doubting if God's word is true. They're doubting it. Maybe you're doubting if God's word is true. Statistically, there's a lot of people in this room who have doubts. It's okay. It's okay. But just let your doubts be conformed to God. It's okay. Seek God in your doubts. Ask Him to make known to you His truth. Jesus said, if you seek me, you will find me. There was a story of a, uh, of a man... It's read in the book, um, a missions book. I can't remember now which one. It's not Peace Child. It's um, um, Eternity in Their Heart. That's where the story comes from. Eternity in Their Heart. And this man lived in an isolated tribe. His father was convinced, convinced that there was a sovereign and that we had messed it up. But somehow that sovereign was going to make it right. Well, this man, he had a vision one day, a dream, that some pale-skinned person was going to come and build a tent near the village. And he was to take his tent post and put it in the, with the visitor. A few years later, a pale-skinned man came and built a tent near his village. So guess what he did? He went and he started interacting with this missionary. 
He interacted with this missionary. And he was seeking to find out who this one true God was. That's a great spirit. One great spirit is what he would have referred it to. He sought God. And guess what? He found God. He asked, what about my father? You want to know the awesome thing about his father? God is good and sovereign. We don't have to worry about his father. Because God has to worry about that. We don't have to deal with that. If you seek God, you'll find him. So, be okay with that doubt. But use that doubt to seek him. Use that doubt. Ask him to show himself to you. You might end up with three and a half months in a NICU. Just to warn you. But when you seek him, he will show himself to you. As we keep on going, the Bible says in Psalm 19:7 that the law of the Lord is perfect. God's law is above all laws. I mean, think about it this way. There's many people out there who want their own way. I want to be able to do what I want to do. You know what's interesting now? When somebody else does the same thing to them, they're upset. Oh, wait a minute. Why? Because of the higher law. That's pretty good evidence that there's actually a higher law, that God exists. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Let's go there. It's a cool verse. It's so cool because it's been proven true. You'll find that ironic when you see it. Oh, that's Isaiah. You can't find Proverbs in Isaiah. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. says this, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. A couple hundred years ago, if you were to mention to an archaeologist of the civilization of the Hittites, anybody heard about the Hittites before? I mean, the Bible talks a lot about this Hittite civilization. But 200 years ago, if you went to an archaeologist archaeologist, and it said, hey, how about those Hittites? They say they don't exist. Because they had no evidence of them, except for the Bible mentioned it. And that became a huge proof that the Bible was false. If this Hittite civilization was nearly as big as the Bible claims that it was, by now archaeology would have found it, they said. Well, guess what happened? Today, if you Google Hittite, there's no question that they exist. In fact, the Hittite civilization is now being ranked as one of the largest, most influential civilizations of its day. And that's why secular archaeologists. The Bible proved true, didn't it? There was a process that doctors would use when people were sick of bleeding people. They put leeches on them, so they suck the blood, and they bleed them. Well, Middle East had figured this out a few years before the Western world did. But uh, there was a man who was, who was named um, William, William Harvey. In 1620, he, in that area, he started realizing, hmm, there's something about this blood that we're missing. 
And he realized that, as the Bible says, and by the way, he was a Christian, that the life of the body is in the blood. That's written in Leviticus 17.11. The life of the body is in the blood. I'm an EMT. I deal with blood. I deal with life. I'll tell you, I haven't found somebody live who didn't have their blood. The life of the body is in the blood. Really cool parallel there. The life of our body is in the blood of Christ. Isn't that cool? That's so true. But it took the modern medicine, actually William Harvey is considered one of the fathers of modern medicine because of that realization. It took modern medicine all those years to believe that the Bible was true. Well, the Word of God proved true. Well, there's another thing. There's a whole group of people out there who will say that God didn't create the world. The Bible says that God created the world, though. And I'm going to tell you right now. God created the world with His own wisdom. And if we are willing to say the Bible's not true on that, we have nothing. You might as well not come to church because it's all a fraud. There's a lot of evidence that God wasn't involved in creation. But if you start looking at that evidence with the belief that God created it, it doesn't challenge it. It doesn't. There's a lot of belief out there that is taken as evidence. But friends, the word of the Lord proves true. And I have to say, if you're willing to say it doesn't prove true here, salvation means nothing. You might as well not come back to church again. I still recommend you coming because maybe that will help you to learn more. But maybe you're struggling with believing that the word of the Lord proves true. It's okay. It's okay. You think I struggled believing that God could save my daughter? Yeah. You believe I struggled that he was good if he didn't let my daughter live? Yeah, I struggled. A drive, 70-minute drive by yourself is a dangerous thing when you're struggling with your daughter's life and death. But it's awesome when you ask God why and you listen. As he said, if I take your daughter, I'm good. She's mine anyway. She's not yours. So when it comes to these questions, ask God to teach you. Let it draw you to Him. If you seek Him, you will find Him. He wants you to seek Him. Well, we come down to Proverbs 30, verses 6. 5 and 6. We're still there. So We read that. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Verse 6. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. God said He's going to keep His word pure. He's going to take care of everybody who's tried over the years to store his word. Don't be found the liar. 
Don't add to his words. Take his scripture at face value. Yes, there's poetry in there. You can't take all the poetry as realistic. You've got to take it as poetry. There's stories. You've got to take those as stories. But find what God was meaning by those things. And take it for face value. Is God's knowledge deeper than we'll ever understand? Oh, yes. Is there parts of this word of God that you'll never on this earth comprehend and grasp? You bet there is. But it's not going to change what is at face value. It's going to strengthen it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to add to it. Don't try to take it away. If you were to read in Revelation 22, 18, and 19, and Deuteronomy 4, 1, and 2, you'll find that God actually kind of gives cursings and blessings, curses on those who change God's word, and blessings for those who preserve it. One of them says all the curses that are mentioned in this book will be added to the people who try to change this. I don't want to be on that part. <laughs> I want to be faithful to preserve it. But that still is not going to change that he's responsible to preserve his word. So now I ask you, is there evidence that the Bible is God's word and profitable for our life? Can I point to something that will prove to you, without a shadow of a doubt, that it's true? I got good and bad news. I can point to something. That's the good news. The bad news is, it's up to you whether you believe it. Let's look real quick in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. First of all, when you're living a life of sin and not redeemed by the blood of the cross, the Bible is senseless. It's folly. It's foolishness. It is. You just got to read it over a few times. And you're like, oh yeah, I can see. That's, that's really, Lord? Why did Jesus speak in so many parables? Anybody remember that? Why did he speak in parables while he was on this earth? He spoke in parables because it was only meant for those who had faith. Those who believed to hear it, the truth. The Bible talks about having ears they'll hear but not believe. Romans 10 now, come, come with me to Romans 10. Some of you are already starting to catch on where I'm going with this. Romans 10, 17. Nope. It says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Here's a little interesting side note. Who is the word of God? Christ. Christ. 
John chapter 1. It takes the Word of God and makes Him into a person. Not just a person. The person of Christ. So, when we talk about the Word of God, yes, we're talking about a book here. <laughs> we're also talking about a person. Do you study a person like you do a book? No. As an EMT, we're constantly having to evaluate somebody. We're constantly observing them. We're getting to know them. You know what? People are complicated. People are complicated. We just had an update in the protocol. I was learning about something, and uh, I'm a basic. I don't, I'm not the medic. I, I don't want that much headache. <laughs> I want to be able just to scoop people up and get them to the hospital. <laughs> you know, that's what I want to do. And just, you know, get them saving help. People are complicated. My blood pressure runs in the 120 range over something like 70. That's roughly my blood pressure. My wife's blood pressure, 92 over 56. That's her running blood pressure. It's like, oh my, is there enough blood to perfuse the brain? Is she getting oxygen up there? But that's how her body's wired. And they say in school that if the blood pressure is below 90, they're not going to get blood to the brain. Hmm. I know my wife gets blood to the brain. Because people are different. There are some people that it's 80 that they get those. That's their low number is 80 before they have problems. Even though generally, if I was at 80, you might well consider me dead. There's not much less life left there, okay? People are different. Well, you study God's Word as you get to know God Himself. You study God's Word not as a book that you can critique, but as God Almighty, whom you get to know as a person. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of the Lord. And now, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Church. Your evidence that the Word of God is trustworthy, true, is faith. That's good news and bad news. Because if you're willing to live by faith, you'll see that it's true. If you're not willing to live by faith, God has not made a provision for you to see that it's true. In fact, He has made it so it will look like it's foolish to you. If you're wondering, is God's word 100% true? Be like the man who came to Jesus. He had a son who was entrapped by demons. And Jesus' disciples could not fix him. They had gone and cast out many demons, but they couldn't cast out these demons in this man's son. 
And Jesus looked. It's found in Mark chapter, I think it's 10. It's right after the transfiguration in Mark. Jesus looked. It's, do you believe? If you're able, I can... Because the man says, God, you're able. He says, if you're able, well, I'm willing. And the man looked at him and says, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Church, it's okay not to have it all figured out. It's okay to question, to have those doubts. Ask God, help my unbelief. I was asleep up in the NICU room. In Bangor, we have a... Bangor is a great place. I don't recommend the Bangor NICU. But if you need a NICU, Bangor is a great place to be. Just going to say, I told them that too. And they thanked me for it. We have a private room for your daughter with a curtained off space in the bathroom that the parents can be in. And I always had the curtain pulled of pulled. And I was there asleep, and I had just subconsciously realized that there were people in the room. But in NICU, you get to the point, alarms go off, and somebody else is watching your child 24-7. And they'll come talk to you if there's a problem. All of a sudden, I heard the, the physician say, Jonathan, we need to talk. Almost takes my breath away just thinking about it now. He said, Something's wrong with your daughter rejoicing. You don't know what it is. At that moment, I was saying, God, I believe you can take care of her. Help my unbelief. As I know what it's like to know that God can do anything. But to wonder, will you do it? And I know what it's like to know that even if God doesn't do it, He's good. I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to wonder, is God really good? Friends, if you're doubting today, if you don't have confidence in God's Word, don't beat yourself up over that. Look to God and say, God, I believe, but I got a lot of unbelief here. I got a lot that I don't know about. Help that, God. And He has promised when you seek me, you will find me. Church, have confidence in God's Word. And in your inconfidence, seek to ask Him to have confidence in God's Word. And here's the reason why. I'm going to tell you right now. We have been called to be a light to our community. We have been called to be evangelists, do the work of evangelists. And as one man said, we're all to do the work of evangelists, and at times we're supposed to speak as well. Our life needs to be the evangelist, and our words need to back up our life. 
But I'll tell you right now, if there is one place in this book that they can make a doubt out of you, they'll throw the whole thing out. And eternity will be lost for them. Stand firm in confidence that God's Word is 100% true. It's not popular. One of the fastest growing movements in the church right now is to reject that God created the world. But if we don't stand firm in confidence of God's word, we will not evangelize this community. So, be like David. Ask God questions. Seek him. Let him show you who he is. Father, as we come to you right now, you have given us awesome privilege to know you. You have promised that as we seek you, we will find you. I ask, Lord, that in this room right now, in the hearing on the internet right now, that our hearts would seek you. To be open and honest with our doubts, it's okay that we doubt we're human. But that we would ask questions with a heart that yearns to know you. I pray that there would be no wavering of a belief that your word is true from beginning to end. It is you who has promised to preserve it, and it's not dependent on man. And may this church, Lord, become a beacon of hope in their community as they stand confidently on the foundation of your word. As they rest securely in its principles, and proclaim boldly even the things that are doubted by the world. Faith does prove that your word is true. It has in my heart, and it has in many people's hearts. For those who haven't had that great joy of the evidence of faith that your word is true, I ask that that would happen today. And that that would grow even as it grows in my heart in the days to come. Thank you for your love for us. That you work with us and you know that we're frail. In Jesus' name we pray.